Uh, we've come to the end of the ride. 2017 is coming to a close. Uh, for some, this may have been a challenging year. Maybe this is a day that you are celebrating because you just want to close the book on 2017, put it behind you, and not think about it ever again. Uh, for others, maybe it was nothing special, just kind of a, a run-of-the-mill year for you. Or maybe it was an amazing one that you're like, you're just, this is, I, I, you know, I look back and I just praise God for all the amazing things that happened. I'm not sure what kind of year it's been for you, but for all of us, the ride doesn't stop here, Right? It, no one stops and says, hey, do you guys want a break first before we go around again? No, we just keep on going around. Uh, another year is coming around the sun. Um, I used to be a youth pastor back in the day, and uh, we are very close to uh, Great America up in Gurney. And so I'd get a season pass, and I'd take the students there from time to time. And the best thing about that is in the summer is you could get like those off days where no one's going to Great America, and you could have the place to yourself. And so there's times we'd be on, you know, the American Eagle, it's the oldest, one of their oldest wooden rides that they got there. You get on it, and you go ride, and when you pull back into the station, no one's waiting to get in. And so you can just stay in the car and go again. And you go for the ride, and you come around to the station, and no one's waiting, and you can go, and so you guys keep going and going and going, and, and so those kind of things, I mean, they, 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 they're fun as long as you're having fun, right? As soon as the fun stops, that's when the, the fun stops. I mean, it sounds simple, but that's, that's the truth of it. Maybe you lost your riding buddy. They, they couldn't go any further, and so they get out, and now you're riding by yourself. It's not as much fun, or you lost your hat or something that you had on yourself, or you're about to lose your lunch. You know, something happens, and all of a sudden, it's no longer fun anymore to just keep going around and around and around. But that's, that's a part of life, right? Whether you approach this next year with your hands in your air, uh, waiting for the big hill to drop and the fun excitement that comes with that, or whether you're holding on for dear life saying, hey, I wanted to get off and rest a bit, we go right into the next year. But see, life is so much more than just another time around the sun, right? That's one way we can measure it, one way we can mark it and put some milestones down, but life is so much more than just a, a changing out of a calendar. I think... Most of us, if not all of us, feel this need to connect to something greater than ourselves, something bigger than ourselves, more than just living out the calendar, especially if you consider yourself a millennial or if you have millennials in your life. This is something that, that, that's very uh, foundational for who they are and how they're defined and become known as for a generation, this desire for a purpose beyond themselves. It's not exclusive to them, but they really live that out to the point where maybe previous generations would look at your job as your role as it's a means to a paycheck so that I can go home and then live out my dreams and, and accomplish what it is I'm trying to accomplish beyond uh, myself, something greater than myself. But uh, maybe work is seen largely as a paycheck. And it's a picture that can fund those different things. And maybe you're seeing, hey, my, my, my goal is to care for my family or care for my community or care for others in my life. And so that helps to fund my dreams. But for millennials, they really have this desire to be tied to something greater than, than themselves. And so if they can't find that greater purpose in their work, it becomes very difficult for them to continue in that. And they find them jump into a new job because it's so much more than just a paycheck. But like I said, I think that's something we can all connect to. We can all have this desire for our work, for our life, for our days to be more than just ourselves. To be more than just 365 days that have been lived out in 2017. When we look back, we want to be able, be able to see we've made a difference in the lives of others. When we look ahead, we want to know that, hey, that, that there's better yet to come. That, there's, that, that this, these are the good old days, but there, is, are, there are great things that are coming ahead. 
we clock out of work and we turn home to pursue our dreams, whether it's learning and, and growing ourselves or creating or developing something to, to, to just make an impact on our world. This is just a heart, I think, that's just somewhere in each, each, of, each of us we can connect with this mindset of being a part of something greater than ourselves. As a church, in the spring, we're going to Haiti. We've got a team that's uh, prepping and planning to go to a mission trip in Haiti, uh, the first of hopefully many, as we try to build a relationship with, with the ministry down there, Real Love Haiti, and uh, really support them and walk with them. Uh, one of the reasons that we're doing this, there's, there's multiple ones, but one of the reasons that we're doing this is because, again, as a church, we want to be a part of something greater than ourselves. We want to see the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact that Jesus came to us and, and lived in our shoes and, and then lived a perfect life, went to the cross, gave up his life as a sacrifice so that when we trust in him, our sins are forgiven and we take on the righteousness of Jesus because he took on our penalty at the cross. And we trust in him, we're forgiven of our sins and we're made clean and we're able to be restored in relationship with God. And that begins a relationship that lasts for all eternity. That's the good news of Jesus that we want to share. We want to share that beyond our backyard. We want to share that beyond our state, beyond our country. We want to be a part of this call to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's one of the reasons, one of many, why we are going to Haiti this spring. After Easter, which is April 1st, we have a 15-year celebration planned. And as we're putting different details in place and kind of seeing what, what that week is going to look like from Sunday to Sunday, uh, one of the things we keep in the back of our mind is this mindset, is this vision that uh, we want to make sure that we are seeking how can we engage our, how can we engage our community. Well, yes, we want to celebrate what God has done, and we want to tell the Meadowlands story and say what, what a great thing is being done here. We don't simply want to look back and say, well, that was fun. But we want to see what does this prepare us for? How has this equipped us to now look ahead and look out to our community and say, here's who we are, here's where we are, and here's how we want to help bring you along. Here's how we want to help you accomplish your goals and your desires. This is how we want to help you come to know your God and your Creator. Because our goal is, is to be about something greater than ourselves. See, Meadowland isn't a place where we come to play church and just do churchy things. But Meadowland is a people who are the church. We gather together to go and be the church to engage the world with the gospel. We're sent out into the world as a witness to the work of God. We've seen God work in our own lives. We've seen God work in this place as we look back over the 15-year story of Meadowland. And we want to share that good news of how God works in our lives with others. We long to see lives changed and disciples made. See, this is an amazing mission. This is the mission of God, right? That he's come to, to draw people to himself through the work of Jesus and then equips them to go and be a witness to the things that he has done so it would bring others to him. There is more to life than simply living out our days. There is more to life than simply going around the sun again and again and again. We've been invited to be, a, to be a part of the mission of God. For those here this morning who are investigating still who Jesus is, maybe you don't believe what we believe, and that's okay. Maybe you're just kind of just checking out who Jesus is, what this church stuff is all about. Uh, if that's where you find yourself, even if you've been here for a while and you're still just kind of like, you know what, I'm not quite sure about Jesus, I invite you to continue in your journey here. I invite you to come along with us so that you may come to know, uh, have a better picture of who God is. I invite you to come be a part of what is happening here at Meadowland, be a part of the Meadowland family, the Meadowland story, so that you can come to know God better. Bring all your questions, bring your concerns, bring any issues you have against God, against the church, against religion. Bring any hurts you have and bring those to the table. 
here at Meadowland, it, it's okay to be not okay. None of us claim to be perfect. That's why we acknowledge our, our need for Jesus. That's why we have a, a need to have our sins forgiven. That's why we go to Jesus, one of many reasons. But it's okay to not be okay here at Meadowland. Uh, but know this. If you're saying, you know what, this is a place I want to investigate who God is, I want to grow in my faith, I need to warn you. There are many people here who love God and who love you. There are many people here who love God and love you, which means we want to help you in that journey. We want to engage with you. And if someone says, hey, I just need some space, just let me be on a fly on a wall for a while, you're more than welcome to. If you've got a friend that you, you bring on a, on a Sunday morning and you, you're not sure where they're at, you think they just want to be a fly in the wall, that's okay. We, we can allow you that space. Uh, but also know that, man, we, we love God and we love you and we want to walk with you and help you take the next steps in your journey. But I invite you to just in, continue to investigate who Jesus is because it is our desire to see you take a next step on your journey. For those of us here who are followers of Christ, God calls us to be all about his work. Right? That's what he calls us to be, be about the mission of God. And we have a privilege of being a part of that. I mean, just as we're talking about being a part of something greater than yourself, what greater mission is there than to be a part of what our Creator is trying to do? You know, we can take the trying out of there, to be a part of what our Creator is doing. I've yet to meet something or someone that stops God from doing what God wants to do. What greater mission, what greater purpose, what, what is greater than ourselves than being a part of the mission of God? Growing up, I, I wanted to do the things that my dad did. I don't know if you experienced that in your life. I'm not sure what your upbringing is, but I, when I grew up, my, my dad was in the picture, and, and um, I wanted to be about what he was about. I would watch him carve. He had this little corner of the basement set up, and he would uh, glue chunks of wood together, and he would carve ducks. Why ducks? I don't know. I still haven't figured that out, but he carved a lot of them. And he never quite finished them because he never was happy with the eyes. And so he had this collection of eyeless blind ducks that were just carved in the basement. But I, I would just watch him for hours. Felt what felt like hours. And I, I want to be about what he was about. I watched him build different things and create. I watched him fish. I even watched him sometimes catch. Uh, and these are just, I, I want to be about what my dad was about. And see, I think that comes from something that God has just put inside each one of us. Even if your story ha has some, some difficulties in it. Even if your dad wasn't in the picture, or maybe you wish he wasn't in the picture because of the ways that he's caused harm and heartbreak and pain. Uh, or maybe... I still believe that each one of us has a desire that's just innate in, in us to be like our Father. Again, we can, we can put that and compare that against the reality of our lives. Okay, well, our image of a Father was a beautiful one, or our image of a Father was one that, that fell short, and we can acknowledge all those different kinds of things. Maybe your desire is to do what you believe the Father in life should have done. Maybe you had a bad example, but that just fires you up to be a great example in your own life. See, I believe a lot of this is in part because of the fact that we are made by our Heavenly Father. And, and inside each one of us is this desire to know Him and to be about what He's about. And so when we start talking about the mission of God, I hope it kind of stirs something up in you. For some, this may be new information. I didn't realize God was on a mission. I didn't know He was trying to reach other people uh, so that they'd be saved by the blood of Jesus and be restored into a relationship with Him. So that maybe this is some new information for you. For others, maybe you've heard about this before, but it's never really kind of struck a chord that, hey, well, this is something that God invites me to be a part of. I hope that wherever you land on that spectrum as far as your, your understanding involved with the mission of God, that this morning would help us take 
a step towards where God's calling us. That this morning would, would, would awaken something, would fan a flame inside of us to say, man, there is something that God is doing and I don't want to miss out. And that would motivate and move us to, to new steps and new directions in the year ahead. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be learning about God's desire, God's plan for us, uh, what his purpose is as we, as we live out our lives as the people of God, as individuals, and as a community. Uh, but also we're looking at how do we accomplish that? How do we accomplish the mission of God? Now, this is actually where we're going to start here this morning. So it may feel a little backwards, uh, but we're going to begin talking about how has God uh, equipped us to accomplish the mission that he set us on. And the next week we're going to unpack even more so this mission of God and what that looks like lived out. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to uh, Acts chapter 1 because, see, God has empowered us to accomplish all the things that he's called us to do. That's one of the beautiful things about the mission of God is, is you may see some things that, that, you know, hey, I feel like God's, you know, leading me down this path, but that scares me. I'm not sure if I, if I know how to do that. I don't, I don't know if I'm equipped for that. We're going to see here in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 that God has equipped each and every one of us to do whatever he asks of us. That he's empowered us to accomplish all that he has called us to do. So Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, Acts was written by Luke. Uh, this is the same Luke that wrote one of the Gospels that, that carries his name as well. And you're going to see both in Luke as well as in the book of Acts that he addresses these letters to Theophilus. Now we don't know who exactly Theophilus is. There's a lot of theories out there, but the text simply does not confirm. It doesn't unpack who he is uh, or who this person is. What's interesting, though, is the, uh, the direct translation of his name is loved by God. Loved by God. And so I almost wonder if part of that is, is whether this is an actual person that he's writing these letters to or simply kind of saying, hey, uh, let's write to this image of a person who's just loved by God. And, and so it's almost this is for all of us who are loved by God. That's, you know, I guess we can have all kinds of theories, but we ultimately don't know. Uh, but this is Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he's kind of his second edition here, writing the book of Acts. Acts 1, 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he's just kind of recapping where he kind of ended off his gospel. This is a common literary practice. Whenever you have uh, multiple additions to your story, you want, okay, we just finished out this story. Hey, for those who are just catching up from last week, here's what just happened. Here's just, so he's kind of bridging that gap. He's kind of uh, rehashing that a little bit. But it reminds us that, hey, so Jesus told us all these things that were going to happen, and they happened. And, and he went to the cross, paying for our sins, by his death. And then he rose from the grave. Right? That's the, the, the clearest picture of Jesus proving himself to be God is the fact that he rose from the grave, not by anyone else's power, but by his own. And so, well, that's, that's a pretty wild claim, Steve. Is there any, any proof of that? We see a lot of the proof of that. You know, Luke kind of comments on that. Hey, he, he's revealed himself to multiple people, and we have historical evidence of that. These people are making these claims to say, this is who Jesus was, and he revealed himself to us, and they were willing to die for that belief. And so basically Jesus presents himself to disciples and to others alive, and basically proves, hey, this is me, I, I've risen from the grave. And appearing them over 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus had, had been telling them, we can look at a couple different places uh, throughout 
uh, not only Luke, but also in the other Gospels, we see that Jesus had been telling his disciples that there would come a point where he was going to leave and that he would send a helper. At one point, he actually says, this is a good thing because uh, you'll be empowered by this gift, this Holy Spirit. It probably reminded them, because uh, his hearers would have had a, a very uh, good understanding and knowledge of the Old Testament, it probably reminded them of the prophet Elijah. If you know the story of Elijah, uh, he passed on his ministry uh, to Elisha, uh, S-H-A, and when he did, uh, he was basically, Elijah didn't die, he was taken up into heaven, uh, the text reveals, and uh, when he was, then there was a double portion of his spirit poured out on Elisha. And so here Elijah's being risen up, and then all of a sudden, uh, his follower is receiving a greater amount of the spirit that was in him to go and continue in the mission, preparing the way. And we actually see that where, where Jesus is, is lifted up, is, is taken up into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit is bestowed upon us, empowering us to do the things that Jesus did. It's in John 14, John 16. He's saying that you, you're going to have a helper who's coming. And so what's he telling me? He says, wait. Wait here in Jerusalem because the helper is coming. He's not here yet, but he's coming. Acts 1, 4, and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now this would have triggered something in their memory. When they heard this phraseology about being baptized by the Holy Spirit, it would have reminded them of some of the prophecies from the, book, uh, from the minor prophet Joel. Joel chapter 2 talks about this uh, God's spirit pouring out on all people. Because this, this was not a common thing. Up until this point, God's spirit being poured out on people would have been a rare thing. Baptism through water was a common practice. And that was almost a symbolic act of, of a spiritual cleansing. There are different things in, in uh, Jewish law that would make you unclean. And so you have these cleansing processes you'd go through. And so this concept of, of this spiritual cleansing was a common practice in, in a water baptism. But this concept of, of the Holy Spirit being poured out on God's people, on all people especially, was uncommon. And so they would have thought of, this would have stood out to them, well, is he talking about what Joel is talking about in, in Joel chapter 2, where, where God's Spirit is poured out on all people? Because again, prior to this, just a few moments here or there, maybe one you're familiar with, if you're familiar with, with the judges who ruled over Israel for a while, you have Samson. Samson's the one who, who basically took a vow to, to not do certain things, abstain from certain things, and one of them was, was not cutting his hair, and God promised him, if you follow these things, you'll have this great strength, and he had this great strength, all these victories, and, and, and did all these different things, and then at one point in the story, he gets, uh, you know, makes some poor choices, his hair gets cut off, he loses his strength, and his enemies overpower him, the Philistines, and he's basically uh, at the foundation of, of one of their coliseums, and they're mocking him, and this is, this is the great champion uh, that they now have and chained to their foundation. And he prays that God would give him the strength one more time. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him and gives him the strength to basically collapse in this whole building, not only on himself, but on his enemies. And so he had moments, he had stories where the Holy Spirit would, would come and do something amazing. He would say, this, this is clear the Holy Spirit that had empowered this person to do something on, on, on behalf of God. But this general outpouring on all people, man, that would have stood out. What's interesting is after Joel talks about that, he then starts talking about the restoration of Israel. And so when we understand that, when we understand that prophecy, it makes sense that as soon as Jesus starts talking about, even, you know, John baptized with water, but the Holy Spirit, be baptized by the Holy Spirit, when he starts talking about that, it makes sense this next question they ask. Verse 6, so when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Is this the time where you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, yes, the temple's still around at this point in history, um, but they were under Roman rule. They weren't, uh, they weren't a free nation. They weren't uh, in charge of themselves. They weren't a, a kingdom that was in charge. And so they'd understood the prophecies of Joel, but hey, God's going to come, bring the Savior, and then he's going to restore things on earth, and, and there's going to be this earthly kingdom set up. And you can understand why someone who is oppressed by another nation would look forward to that, right? But see, I, I think this was their agenda. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was something God had promised and, and, and would fulfill, but it was kind of their question of the day that this is what they were really longing for. And if they would have got hung up on that, they would have missed out on the greater picture of God's plan. If I could take a little tangent here real quick, I think there's a common question I hear amongst uh, different Christian circles in our generation. It's, is this the time where, where you're going to bring about the end times, God? Are, are we living in the end times? And sometimes we get caught up in these questions. And it's not a bad question to ask. There's nothing wrong with asking that question. There's nothing wrong with, with, with looking into or researching or what's it going to be like and trying to figure that out. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need to acknowledge that sometimes we get our agenda in front of God's. Sometimes the questions that we want answered, we put those to the front of the line instead of saying, God, what are you doing? Let me be about that first. And that's kind of what's happening here with the disciples. They're asking, hey, is this the time where you're going to restore Israel? Is, is that what we're going to do now? We're going to raise up this earthly kingdom? And in a sense, yes, he's going to raise up an earthly kingdom, but in a, in a different way than they had suspected. In a very different way, and that's where then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes on. And for the same for us, if we ask this question of, hey, are we in end times? Well, in one sense, ever since the days of Jesus, we could say, yes, we've been in the end times. He's promised that he'll return, and so we're waiting for that return. And every generation from the disciples after has said, this must be it. This must be the generation where he's going to come, and, and then they, they die. And the next generation, well, this must be it. And So again, it's okay to ask that question, but we can't get sidetracked. We can't get so caught up looking at that that we forget God has given us a mission to do right now. And so he, he quickly stops the disciples. Is this, is this one you're going to restore Israel? He says this in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This question of when is God going to do this, it's not for you to know the time. It's okay to ask, but it's not for you to know the time. But in the meantime, here's what's going to go down. The Holy Spirit of God is going to pour out amongst you and upon you, and you are going to be a witness to all people of the great works of God. Wow. I mean, just let that sink in real quick. And so if you're one who gets caught up in this end times thing, again, not a bad question to ask. Nothing wrong in asking that question. But don't let it sidetrack you from what God would say to us. Say, in the meantime, this is what I have for you. That my spirit we poured out upon you, and that you would be my witness to all the things I've done and all the things I'm doing and all that I've promised to do to all people. Keep your eyes on the mission of being God's witness. You may ask, well, how, how are we supposed to do this? How, this is, it seems like a big undertaking, Steve. How are we supposed to do that? That's really the question that I want us to answer this morning is, is the how. How are we to be about the mission of God? Well, I think he says there in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is likely the least familiar and the most misunderstood party of the Trinity. If you're familiar with the, the Trinity, it's, it's the triune nature of God. As we, 
look through Scripture, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a number of verses where we find uh, two of the three uh, acknowledged as, as, as distinct individuals in the same passage. Other times you see all three in, in one passage. We see this triune aspect of God. Still one God, uh, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think for multiple reasons, the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood part of the Trinity. This would be a, a worthwhile study. Um, uh, any questions you may have that are coming up, hopefully some of them get answered in, in the time we have left this morning. That they may not be, and it would be a worthwhile study to do in, in uh, maybe a future time or in your own time to dig in and say, hey, let me learn more about who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. Maybe you've heard some Christians say things like, well, God told me blank. And maybe it's everything from the most mundane, like God told me it's going to be a good day today. Or maybe it's the really specific, like God told me you're going to have a baby. God told me your house is going to sell. God told me um, that you should leave your, your husband and come be with me or leave your wife and come be with me. Yeah. They get everything from mundane to everything way out there. And, and we can't lump all those together because, again, we don't know the whole backstory. But let's just acknowledge for a minute here that there have been people in the name of Christ who have said, this is what God's telling me to do. So what, what do we make of that? How do we know? Are they saying that God told me with an audible voice through his Holy Spirit that I heard an actual voice? Are they just saying, I just got this feeling and this, is, this feeling is the Holy Spirit? Well, what if you've never felt that feeling as a follower of Jesus? You've never had this sense of, well, this is what God's saying. You know, is, am I missing something? And so I think there's, there's a lot of ambiguity out there. So we, we need to be cautious. We need to be careful when we make statements like that. We'd be cautious when we hear statements like that, how we respond to that. And we can, we can test them against God's words, all kinds of different things we can do. That's not a road I want to walk down at this moment. But we also see things like Christians talk about feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, whether they're in a time of worship and um, just overcome by the music, or they feel like, I feel God's present. He's here with us. Uh, maybe you're like, well, I don't know. I, I feel that same kind of like, just internal sense when I'm listening to you know, some good Pink Floyd or just a band. That, you know, I don't think God's you know, speaking through that at the moment. Hey, am I missing something? Yeah, for some of you, you, you track with me on this, like, yeah, hey, you know, I, I understand the Holy Spirit and, and its role in my life. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm also with you. I'm like, I, I don't get it. What's this feeling that other people are, are having? Again, I'm not downplaying any of those. I'm not saying that that's not the Holy Spirit working in and amongst people. I'm not I'm saying that's not the Holy Spirit speaking into people's lives or to even pass on a word to someone else. I think sometimes we, we, we do that well, and other times we kind of get ourselves in the way, and maybe we miss the mark a little bit. But what I want us to understand is if, if whether or not you felt something like that where you'd say, okay, I can, I can feel the Spirit inside me. If, if the Holy Spirit's being poured out upon us, what does that feel like? Um, I want us to know how can we have confidence in that? to know that we've been empowered to do the mission that God sent us on. If we look at Acts chapter 2, so jump ahead. So in Acts chapter 1, there's this promise the Holy Spirit's going to come, stay in Jerusalem, uh, and then basically they gather together, they're praying together. Uh, a cool little side tangent, if you, if you read through the, the names of who's all there, you see that, that it was men and women together, praying together, which was very countercultural for that day. Typically prayer would be you know, separated guys and gals, and so you just see God's breaking down a lot of those boundaries, and it's the, they're gathered together, they're praying, and they're, they're waiting in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden we have this account here where the Holy Spirit's poured out upon them. It says Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. 
Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. So you get this massive sound like a mighty rushing wind blowing through. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so in this example where the Holy Spirit is finally given to all and starts pouring out upon all people, we see it's displayed in the sense of this, this, these tongues of flame that appear to them. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The text is saying that, that there's a visible flaming tongue of sorts, some kind of thing that appears over each of them. I don't know if it stays or if it's momentary or, or how it plays out, but there's a time in which there's this visual thing that they can see. They can auditory hear the wind rushing through, and now they're able to speak languages that they don't know. Anyone experience that? Any, any hands? If you have, that's Okay. I'm not saying that doesn't happen right now. I'm not trying to make light of this thing. What I'm trying to acknowledge is I think that we, we have a hard time understanding what, what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us and, and how that plays out as we go to be a witness for God. And so if you feel like I'm mocking it, my apologies. I'll own it. I'm not trying to mock uh, people who, who claim different things in the Holy Spirit. Um, I, we need to be careful uh, and make sure that we're, we're also in step with God's word. We make those statements and all that. I'm not trying to mock that in the least because I do believe God, God's Holy Spirit still works through us in powerful in, in, mystic, in amazing ways. Um, but how do we know if we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit? Especially if we haven't experienced some of these things that we see in Scripture. Especially if we haven't felt some of these things that we see other Christians talk about what, what they felt. Well, this initial result is this wild scene where, where, where the skeptics that see this, they say, this is crazy, they must be drunk. That's uh, my, my only excuse is that they must be drunk. They're the disciples who can speak these languages. I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen many drunk people in my life. I've never seen a drunk person who all of a sudden can speak Greek uh, or speak a new language. Um, that, that, I don't know if you've experienced that, but um, they're, they're trying to dismiss it, and that's the best thing to come up with because the Spirit of God is allowing them to do amazing things. And if we understand what's going on, all of a sudden we begin to understand maybe the, the value of these foreign languages that they can all speak now. So they, they were uh, gathered together in Jerusalem at a time of, called Pentecost. Pentecost is a celebration of weeks. It takes place roughly 50 days after uh, Passover. So Passover is this time of celebrating uh, what God did for, for uh, the Jews in Egypt, where he freed them from captivity by death, passed over their homes, and, and yet brought about the, first, the death of the firstborn, uh, both humans and animals, uh, for all of Egypt. And that was the final plague that we, we, Pharaoh said, just get out, go. And they were, they were sent out with spoils of war. They take all of our stuff and go, just leave us alone. And they're celebrating that at, at Passover. And then about 50 days later, they celebrate Pentecost. It's also what it would have uh, lined up with the harvest of the first wheat. And so all the Jews from all over would have come to Jerusalem to celebrate together. And there's many different languages that they would have spoken. And so you have the story of what Jesus has done, that he's gone to the cross, he's died, was buried, he rose from the grave, he's appeared to many, and he's put them on a mission to go be about, to be his witnesses. Imagine having to go tell it to someone you can't speak the same language of. Well, here the Holy Spirit is making a way for that to be possible, for the gospel to spread like wildfire. And that's exactly what happens as you read through Acts chapter 2. So for steps, as we look at what are some of the first steps to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, some of you may get disheartened to say, is this what needs to happen for really to believe that, you know, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit? Well, let's pause for a minute and keep reading. Let's jump ahead to Acts 2.37. What's been going on here is, is so the, the Holy Spirit's poured out, 
on the disciples, that these tongues of flame come upon them, able to speak all these languages, the, the, the sound of this rushing wind. Now they're going out to all the people and they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing the good news of Jesus, they're sharing what they've witnessed with their own eyes, what they've experienced themselves, and they're just telling the story of Jesus in their lives. And this is what happens, how people respond, some. Acts 2, 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, in front of those who were around the disciples who they were speaking to, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, who had, who had stepped up and was kind of preaching, uh, you know, Christ crucified and rose from the grave, uh, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Kind of a similar question we're asking, a little different. Hey, so, so what do we do? What do we, oh, this is amazing stuff. I believe you. I believe the story you're sharing about Jesus. What do we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, depending on where we are in our journey, we can stop right here because we just uncovered a next step for us to be having on our heart as we step into 2018. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe you've never owned up to say, yes, I've gone against the will of God. Yes, I've, I've made mistake, mistakes in my life that I need to repent of. I need to turn and go the other direction and say, this is not the life that God had, had called me to. I need to make some things right by repenting. Repentance is actually that, turning and going the other way. Making a 180 degree turn to go and go the opposite way. And so instead of going from God, we turn and we go towards God and try to go his ways. For others, maybe your next step is that being baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized. You've never made this public proclamation uh, of the work that God's done in you. We said, you know, I don't don't care who knows, I'm going out as a witness to tell others about Jesus. If you've never been baptized, uh, you've got a few months to think on it. Uh, April 1st, Easter Sunday is our next scheduled baptism. If you've never been baptized and you're like, Steve, why are we waiting until April? Talk to me, and we will fill the tank, and we will get you baptized. There's no need to wait on that. If you are ready to get baptized, we will dunk you and cheer and celebrate with you because it's a beautiful thing. We take a public proclamation to say, I'm going to be a witness for the work of Jesus. So for some of us, our next step is to repent, or our next step is to be baptized. When we do these things, it says, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. So our sins are forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can look at how the Holy Spirit interacts in our lives and empowers us to be a witness. And I'm going to hit on a few different ways that we can interact with the Holy Spirit. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a start. I just want to give you some couple different things that we can do, a couple different pictures. And these are, these are broken analogies. Um, they, they only go so far. And you could say, well, see, this is why that's not a good analogy. I probably agree with you. There's an aspect of each one of these I, I just want us to hit on. And what you're going to see, is these are everyday aspects of life. And my hope and my prayer for each one of us is as we live out these everyday aspects of life, they would remind us back to our mission. They would remind us back to uh, one of the reasons that we were created, to go make much of the name of Jesus, to be his witnesses. And so as you're doing these things, I pray to remind you, that, hey, that's a way I can interact with the Holy Spirit and be empowered by God's Spirit to go be about his mission. And that's what we're talking about next week then is what his mission is and, and how to engage our community as we engage God in his mission. But the first one I look at is the fact that he's empowered us. He's equipped us to do what he asked us to do. A few broken analogies here. First one is this. We can respond to the Holy Spirit like we do a meal. We can respond to the Holy Spirit like we do a meal. 
Every day I'm filled with various types of food. Maybe an odd way to say it, but that's the truth. Some of these foods give true life and health and growth, while others give a false burst of energy and then a sugar crash. Uh, And they both have their place, in my opinion. But uh, (laughs) I need to constantly return to the meal table to recharge and to be filled, right? The meal table is a constant part of each one of our lives. There's a need for our bodies to be filled. And one of the things I always say is, I may not remember what I have for dinner Tuesday night, but I know if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be as strong today as I am now. I kind of view the sermons and, 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 and hearing God's word taught the same way. I may not remember what I was taught four months ago on a Sunday, but I know if I wasn't taught then, I wouldn't be as strong in my faith as I am today. I feel the same way about even teaching it. I may not remember what I taught you know, six months ago, but I remember if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be as strong as I am today. And so there's this, this need to be constantly filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit like, you'd be fill, like you would fill your belly with the meal. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in the same way that you would fill your belly with the meal. Ephesians 5, 15 and on says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time. Kind of what we've started at this morning here, right? We'll make the best use of this time. We're stepping into 2018. How are we going to use this time? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, you see a food analogy there. Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms. It begins to unpack what that looks like. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. For some of us, we hear that like, I've just been commanded to sing. That's awesome. I love it. This is beautiful. Keep talking, Steve. Others are like, I've been commanded to sing. Can we back up a little bit? I'm not, I'm not sure that's me, but wherever you fall in that, know that there's a call to worship. An act of filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit is this call to worship and to praise God through song. And you may say, well, Steve, why are we talking about filling ourselves with the Spirit? I thought the Holy Spirit was already poured out upon us. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit indwell in us. It's another thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? It's another thing to have something to the point of overflowing. It's one thing to say, I'm fed, I have energy in my body. So that's okay, I need to bring more food in my body as well and continue to feed that. So again, a broken analogy, but I think it begins us down that, that trail. So we dress one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And again, two other things that are listed that we kind of begin to flush out what it looks like to interact with the Holy Spirit. When we sing songs of praise, that's filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit. When we give thanks for all that God has, has, has given us, that begins to fill us with the Holy Spirit. When we submit to one another in view of Jesus. This is one of those things when, uh, that really is difficult to do when we're in conflict with one another. If there's someone you're in conflict with, a brother or sister in Christ, if if we're willing to submit ourselves to them out of our love for Jesus, it helps us to fill with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's submitting ourselves under the authority of others, to give others a place in our life to be able to speak God's truth, to be able to say, you know what, here's a part of your life that I've been watching that I, I don't think is honoring God. Let's talk about that. When we do things like that, we're filled with the Spirit of God. So I know... It's an it's analogy in part, but let's interact with the Holy Spirit like we would a meal. Having times of being filled through, through songs of praise, through giving thanks, through submitting to one another. We can respond to the Holy Spirit like we do a radio station. 
See, in order to listen to a radio station, you have to do two things. First is you have to tune into that station, and the second thing is this, you've got to listen. You've got to tune into the station and then listen. That's simple. That, that's how we interact with radio stations. And I, I invite you to tune in and listen to the Holy Spirit like you would tune in and listen to that radio station. John 16 tells us this in verse 13. When the spirit of truth, referring to the Holy Spirit here, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will, this is Jesus speaking, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus was, in, in John chapter 1, saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, the word was with God, referring to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And so if the word of God is saying, he will say whatever I said, Basically, see, the Holy Spirit will communicate the Word of God to us. will help us to understand the Word of God. He's the Spirit of truth that help us to know and discern what is right and what is true. And so what does that look like? Well, first we've got to turn to his station. If you say, oh, I, you know, I haven't heard any, any good country songs in a while. Well, are you listening to any? Nope. Well, that explains it. Now, some of you may have pushed back and say there aren't any out there, but I, you know, I digress. I think there's some, not many. <laughs> but we got to first tune in. we got, we got, we got to, so where, where are we going to, if the Holy Spirit is communicating to us the Word of God, where are we going to find the Word of God? We're going to find it in the Word of God, in, in Scripture. We're going to find it in study of the Scripture, in spending time in Scripture. We've got to tune in, and then we've got to listen. Then we've got to listen, Right? We can't just simply look at ourselves in the mirror and then turn around and forget what we look like, as James talks about. We need to remember what we've heard and put it into practice and to listen so we can respond to the Holy Spirit like we're at a radio station, tuning in and listening. We can respond to the Holy Spirit like we would a coach. A coach encourages you. He helps you to see your skills where you are strong. A coach helps you then to sharpen those skills. When I, when I was growing up, I don't know if this was your story, I was always taught to be well-rounded. Well, we want to round you out, so let's find out where you're weak, and we'll, we'll work on those skills, which there's a certain element where that's important. You know, you don't want to have some glaring weaknesses. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But then I kind of heard this new lesson, like, who wants to be well-rounded? Let's be sharp. Let's find where you're skilled and, and, and dig into that and improve that. And I think that's the mindset of a coach who looks at his team and says, where are the different skill sets on my team? How can I help sharpen those and really uh, put this amazing team together to accomplish this common goal? I experienced that a little bit in Little League when I was, you know, my, my only experience playing baseball. Um, but the coach is, is putting different people in different positions. And depending on where your skill set was or wasn't, that's how you landed in the spot that you were. And then he encourages you in that and coaches you in that, tries to teach you how to, you know, again, sharpen all your skills, but also where you're already gifted. I hope and pray that we can be encouraged and, and refined by the Holy Spirit like we'd be encouraged and refined by a coach. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Basically saying each one of us is given a gift of the Spirit for the common good, for the sake of the mission of God, for the sake of his people, uh, both those who already trust in Jesus and those he's inviting to himself that he's charged us with sharing his story with. If we 
jump chapter to verse 11 of that same chapter. All these referring to the, the, the gifts, the various gifts that are just listed off in that, that chapter. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So each one of us has been given a gift, at least some, by the Holy Spirit. And I know I said these are, these are broken analogies. But as we step into 2018 and you sit down for a meal, as we go into 2018 and, and you sit in your car and you have the radio on or you download a podcast or you, you do something that's similar to tuning into a radio or as you drop your kids off with their coach or you go and, and, and you join, you know, you're part of a sporting team and you come across someone who's a coach, I want you to use those as a reminder to say, how am I interacting with the Holy Spirit? Am I being filled by the Holy Spirit? through songs of praise, through giving thanks, through submitting myself to other believers in Christ? Am I uh, tuning in and listening to the Holy Spirit? Am I, am I finding time being a student of God's Word? Am I being coached by the Holy Spirit? Am I um, acknowledging that God has given me gifts by the Holy Spirit inside of me to go and be about what He's about? Use those as reminders that we would run to the Holy Spirit this year, that we would uh, grow in that relationship and a, a better understanding. And I know there's still so many different questions as to what this looks like, but here's what I want to close with. You may be asking the question, what do I do if I don't feel the Holy Spirit? What do I do if I don't feel this? Okay, Steve, sure, you said different ways we can engage, and so I, I hear you tell me, go do these different things, and but what? We'll, I don't, I don't feel more empowered. How, how do I know that really the Holy Spirit's in me? Well, two things I want to leave you with. First, we see in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of a spirit, fruit of the spirit. If we had a tree, how would we know what kind of tree it is? Well, one way, we could wait to see until it bears fruit. And as soon as it bears fruit, oh, that's an apple tree. Oh, that's a lemon tree. Oh, that's a pine tree because it's got pine cones. But once it bears its fruit, then we can, right? And so if you want to, hey, is the Holy Spirit in me? Is it working in me? Look at Galatians 5. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see these in your life in an increasing manner? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think that was eight. There's nine of them. Five bonus points, whoever finds out which one I missed. But you can look at your life and find, hey, are these things growing in my life? This is a sign of, of what kind of tree you are. What kind of spirit is in you? Now, you may say, hey, there's times where I feel like I'm taking steps backwards in there. Yeah, because Paul talks about how there, there's, there's, there's the, the, the spirit in us, and then there's our own flesh in us. And there's this battle going on of, of which one's kind of taking charge. And so when we find those times of, hey, I'm, I'm not growing in joy, I'm not growing in peace and patience, and these things, we need to acknowledge that, repent. Remember, come back to that, repent, and come back to where the spirit calls us to go. But the second thing I want to leave us with, if you're feeling like this, hey, how, I don't feel the Spirit in me. I don't feel empowered. How do I know? Yes, I repent. I've been baptized. I want to be about the mission of God, but it kind of scares me a little bit, and I don't know if I've been equipped to do it. I don't know if I've been empowered to do it. How can I know? I think we're left with the solution of believing God at His Word. Simple as that. Believing God at His Word. Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do we believe God? 
Do we believe God's word? It says, if you repent and be baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm just trying not to overcomplicate it. We're not called to base our relationship with the Holy Spirit on what we feel. But we're empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to engage in the mission of God. And that's what we'll pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you so much as we close out 2017 that you not only sent Jesus, that would have been enough to be forgiveness for our sins, but then when he sends you, you send your Holy Spirit <coughs> to empower us to be about your mission, that we would grow and bear this fruit that we see in Galatians 5, that we would engage with the Holy Spirit in these different ways in life and be a common part of our life, that we would be drawn closer to you, Father. I know we're just scratching the surface on this, Father, but my hope and my prayer is that for each person here who's trusted in you as Lord and Savior, who's repented of their sins and been baptized, that you would affirm in them that your spirit is in them. The things that we see in Scripture, the Holy Spirit doing, convicting of sin, revealing truth, being an encouragement, uh, gifting us with various gifts to be able to be about your mission. As we see these things in Scripture, Father, help us to see these things in ourselves, in our own life. Help us to believe you at your word, to say that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit so that when we hear the call to mission, when we hear the call to go and reach our neighbors with the gospel, to simply be a witness to the things of God, to be a witness to what you've done in our life and to share that with others. And when it scares us a little bit or scares us a lot of bit, help us to remember that we are empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, for those who are still investigating who you are, I believe it's your Spirit that changes hearts. So I pray you would soften hearts. I pray you would reveal yourself to each one of us this morning so we may take steps in our faith, trusting in you, acknowledging you as God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for empowering us with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for the opportunity to be on mission for you because we long to see lives changed by you, Jesus, and disciples of Jesus made. Praise on your name. Amen.